Hunt him. Attack him. This eagle must be destroyed. Burn down his citadel of evil. You fools! You think you can destroy my master? The flames will never reach him! He is evil. He is the embodiment of all that is evil. He is the very devil himself. Dracula's reign of horror reaches out even further. Stop! A winged creature of terror becomes Dracula's most fearsome new ally. Enter Dracula's stronghold at your peril. There is one way into his innermost sanctum. You will tell me everything! Tell me! Oh, it was here! It was here! Got away! You must get away too. Now. One way in, and no way out. There is no escape from the all-embracing evil of the humans who do his bidding. From the creature that extends his power, there is no escape. Not even for the protected from the scars of Dracula. Take her with you. You did terrible things to her if you don't. Terrible things. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast, here on the Dorkening Network. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Ro Lauren. And with us from the... <clears throat> with us, joining us from the Dorkening Network, one of the other shows that happens to be on the Dorkening Network, the Super Retro Show, Stephen Christina Jr., thank you for coming on the show with us. Anytime. Happy to be a part of it. Thank you for inviting me. Um, for anyone not familiar with your show, Stephen, why don't you give them some details about your show on the Dorkening Network and how long it's been on the Dorkening Network? Right. So, like Chris said, um, I am a, uh, my podcast, Super Retro Throwback Reviews, is part of the Dorkening Podcast Network, along with uh, Dr. Chris's show. Um, we have a multi-award-nominated pop culture podcast. Uh, me and my co-host, we do... Um, pop culture news uh latest and outrageous what the hell is that segment type of thing and we have um movie reviews trailer talk review on shows and then i have another podcast called csi the vegas files where me and my girlfriend review every episode of csi so you can find all of those on um every podcast and distributor and itunes uh dorkening podcast network and what is happening on the latest episode of your show it actually come um, at the time of this recording. It comes out on the twenty, which comes out on the twenty fourth. Tomorrow's episode, we are we reviewed Sonic the Hedgehog and uh, Fantasy Island, 
and we're doing a James Bond throwback movie review series. So we're reviewing James Bond movies leading up to No Time to Die. We're also reviewing every episode of Star Trek Picard. Um, so that's every Monday, that pop culture podcast. And then every Friday is uh, the CSI podcast. And uh, at the time of this recording, the 28th would uh, be season one, episode 10. I saw Fantasy Island. And in my opinion, that is the worst movie of the year. <laughs> And we're not that far into the year. However, I did see what I consider to be one of the two best horror movies so far of the year. Gretel and Hansel was one of them. But The Lodge is, in my opinion, so far, so far, as of Jared, uh, just, uh, ah, I don't even know what month I'm in. February 23rd, the one of the best horror movies and one of the best movies of the year. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Ro and I will be discussing this movie in full length when it comes out on DVD and video for us to be able to take notes on it. Unless Ro goes yeah. and sees it in theaters by the time it's in and out of theaters, but I don't even know how long the box office runs that movie's going to be. It didn't come out in all theaters either, so it's very limited, but I saw it at AMC Plus in Framingham, so where I did my Harley Quinn event. And, oh. uh, <clears throat> excuse me, so I'll probably just wait for it to come on DVD for you, Ro, and then we'll do a big uh, modern-day Hammer movie review of it together. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, I live in a pretty small town, so there's not a lot. <laughs> uh, there's, like, one theater. <laughs> Did you see The Lodge, Stephen? No. Oh. Stephen, sorry. No, <laughs> I, I, I did not. Um we uh me and my co-host we split the movies so for this week when we're recording episode 85 um he saw call of the wild and i'm seeing an advanced screening of the invisible man oh yeah i want to see call of the wild that doesn't look too bad either um it uh and uh the invisible man i'm gonna have to wait until after pax east to go see because yeah. at the time we're recording this, uh, this will come out in April. So if you're listening to this, PAX East is long, long, long past us, and you will have learned of all of the secrets that happen at PAX East. Coronavirus and all. <laughs> so <laughs> Hopefully people are healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I can't believe this, but I have one, two, three, four, five, six pages of notes for this freaking movie. And that's just oh, like the movie so itself. Good God. All right. We're going to get right in started. The movie. And now Roe has the plot synopsis for us for Scars of Dracula. Scars of Dracula, released December 23rd, 1970, directed by Roy Ward Baker, begins when a vampire bat enters a room inside Castle Dracula with a coffin containing ashes. It regurgitates blood onto the ashes and resurrects Dracula. Later, a village girl is found dead and brought to the local tavern, and the landlord, landlord Michael Ripper, realizes that Dracula, Christopher Lee, is back. He sends all the village women to the church for safety so the men can storm the castle and torch it down. The villagers and priest encounter the servant, Clove, Patrick Troughton, 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 who tells them the fire won't reach his master. But the villagers, not convinced, set the castle on fire regardless. On returning to the church, the men open the door and vampire bats fly out. Inside, they, found the, they find the women dead and horribly mutated or mutilated. Meanwhile, Sarah Framson, Jenny Hanley, is celebrating her birthday. All of her friends are there except for one 
empty table one empty place at the table for Paul Carlson, Christopher Matthews. His brother Simon, Dennis Waterman, is competing with Paul for Sarah's hand. Simon gives Sarah a ring, but realizes she is still torn between the brothers. Paul is in bed with Alice, who lies about how late it is in the evening. He tries to make a hasty exit, but drops a wrapped present for Sarah, and it infuriates Alice. Her father, the burgermaster, arrives, and she takes this opportunity to get back at Paul by suggesting he took advantage of her. Paul escapes while being chased by his servants. Paul arrives at the party and gives Sarah his present, a framed photo of her. Sarah and Simon try to hide the fact that the glass over the picture is cracked from having been dropped earlier by Paul, but when Paul sees the damage, he takes back the gift and promises to have it fixed. He then has to flee the Burgermaster's men by jumping out a window and into a coach. The coach drops him off at a tavern, and after an argument with the landlord, he leaves and ends up at Castle Dracula, looking for overnight lodging. Instead, he is seduced by the mysterious Tanya, Anuska Hempel, who is a bride of Dracula. Before dawn, she bears her fangs and prepares to claim Paul as a victim. But Dracula comes in, knocking Paul unconscious and stabbing Tanya to death. Paul wakes up in the morning to Tanya's bloodied corpse and makes a rope out of curtains to scale the castle and gain access to the floor below. The sheets are then pulled back up by Clove, leaving Paul trapped in Dracula's crypt. In the bedroom, Clove finds Sarah's picture among Paul's belongings. He sets it on the bedside table to amuse himself as he dismembers Tanya's body. Meanwhile, Simon and Sarah arrive at the castle looking for Paul, but Clove helps them escape as he is smitten with Sarah, who, recognize, who he recognizes from the portrait. He is punished by Dracula, who brands him with a sword heated from the fireplace. Simon and Sarah, Simon and Sarah escape to the nearby village, where they seek help. Sarah stays with the priest, while Simon returns to the castle and tricks Clove to help him. He gets lured into Dracula's crypt, where he finds his brother Paul dead, impaled on a hook. Back in town, the vampire bat mauls the priest to death, and Sarah flees to Castle Dracula. A bat rips the cross off around her neck, and Dracula draws near. Simon escapes the crypt and confronts Dracula by throwing a broken piece of iron fence at him. But Dracula pulls it out and uses it against Simon. But before he can, a bolt of lightning strikes Dracula down, uh, drawn from the iron, and is electrocuted and set aflame. Dracula then falls off the cliffside to his death. So, the movie opens up with the bat bleeding on Dracula with the most ridiculous set of bats that we're going to see throughout the movie. Um, <laughs> they're awful. I, they're so bad. What I don't understand about these bats and the person who made them, uh, maybe if they were just given a little bit more money, they could have actually done something truly amazing. Okay, as I was saying, the guy who designed the special effects for this movie worked on Alien. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, that was stated in the commentary with Lee that, you know, he really wishes that this the bats could have had more of an effect to them because they could have had something really great because the bats showed up in the trailer a lot too. Yeah, like on my end, because I, I did the commentary with the film historian, Constantine and uh, Randall, and <laughs> Constantine was like, this was like the most cheaply made Hammer movie um, for like a, a lot of reasons, but like those bats, they definitely cut corners with that, and they they just didn't have a budget. There was no budget at all. 
who is the girl that the uh, manservant, uh, what is the manservant's name? Clove. I was going to call him Eyebrows. <laughs> I know. We actually, that's like our second Clove. There is another Clove servant in one of the other movies. <clears throat> right. I go Eyebrows. <laughs> like we'll we'll go we'll go with eyebrows. Okay, uh, so Stephen Rowe, what is the name of the girl being carried, and where the hell did she come from, and who bit her? Because the I last time we saw Dracula, him. Paul turned him to dust. Paul number right. two. Yeah, another Paul. Another but Paul. Yeah, I am so confused because did he just have that woman? Did Clove just like here? Here you go. Here's this random woman. But I don't who, know. But who the bit her? It's so weird. I think they added, they wanted something as a plot device to further the villagers to, because they needed something, needed the villagers to get angry at Dracula. So I think well, that was just. Definitely. And I know that that opening scene with the bat uh, was added last. It was added very late into the film, and that wasn't in the script. It wasn't um, the first opening scene. Like, the opening scene is supposed to be that girl, so I guess it makes more sense if you think of it in a script, like, in the script of the villagers finding out that Dracula's back by seeing some random girl in the village being bit and then getting angry about that, as opposed to all, all of us trying to figure out the timing of how the hell did Dracula just come back just now and then this random girl's bit? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they keep the continuity going with how Dracula dies one minute and comes back the next, yeah. with the exception of the next movie, and we'll get there when we get there because the next movie opens up with Dracula fighting Van Helsing out of nowhere. But again, uh, we'll get there. Uh, but in this movie, it's just this... Uh, it, it it just ah it just drives me nuts or whatever. And then the bat comes in and bleeds out of him, and then Dracula has returned, and he's all like dun dun and imposing. The actor who plays Clove, Patrick Trotted? Trotted or whatever. Yes. God, his career goes all the way back to 1947 and has a long IMDb list going into Jason and the Argonauts and the Omen. Holy shit. Oh, I only knew him as one of the doctors in Doctor Who, but he's in Jason the Argonauts? Yeah. I, oh. I knew he looked familiar when you said Omen. <laughs> and which doctor was he? I think he was the second doctor. Is that correct? Anybody? <laughs> That's what my guy in the commentary said. That's what, I, didn't, I didn't bother to actually check it, but <laughs> I'm going to take his word for it. Steven, do you cover um... a lot of Doctor Who on your show? It's, uh, it's he was in Doctor Who: The Macro Terror, which I'm looking at right now on IMDb. Yeah, he was the doctor. Yeah, it says right here. Oh, he was the doctor in the 19. Uh, he was the doctor from 1960. Wait, no, that's hold on. What doctor was he? Okay, I guess he was the second doctor. The first right, doctor. Right, that's what I said. Okay, I he's, the, he's second the second doctor. doctor. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> the IMDb credits for the doctor go uh, back to 1966. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was, he was the doctor before this movie, and apparently he took this role because he didn't want to be typecast, and he's like, I need to do something so different than, like, the nice, wholesome doctor. I'm going to be this disgusting man. <laughs> so was he, the, he was the doctor in 66, 67, 68, 69. I'd see, the problem is with the doctors who play, the actors who play Doctor Who, they can come back as their previous forms because time travel is, you know, wimely wimely. 
and, and right. weird and stuff like that. So, it, but I guess he was the second doctor. I think that's what I heard on Lee's commentary as well. So, but I okay. didn't really recognize him whatsoever with the way his makeup is and then his back all scarred up. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, yeah, so, uh, famous doctor as the, uh, manservant of, uh, Dracula. Where he came from, who knows, because he wasn't in the last movie. Nope. Which, this is, like, the first, uh, Hammer film I saw. So, with my notes and with the the facts you guys are saying, this is kind of mind-blowing that he was, <laughs> uh, not in any of the previous, uh, Hammer films. <laughs> yeah. No one, no one is. The only reoccurring person ever is Lee. Well, later on, as the movies go on, really. Um, the villagers know Dracula is alive somehow. The girl got bitten. I, it just feels like this is filmed out of, like, even in the commentary, they don't explain that, like, okay, so this girl is bitten and the villagers show up to burn Dracula out. But, again, yeah. Dracula is this powder of, pile of uh, red powder at the beginning of the movie. How do they know Dracula came back? It's not explained. I guess moving no. on. Um, who you know, uh, Dracula's um, pet bat wakes him. Moon. Uh, what did my notes say? Um, vampire bats killed uh, the loved. Okay, the vampire bats then invade the church and kill the loved ones in the gruesomest, goriest part of the whole movie and uh, goriest part of a Hammer movie. Um, one of the goriest scenes in a Hammer movie, I believe. Yeah, I mean, that one lady's eyeball was, like, gone. It was, like, melting off her face. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Steven, are you um, overly familiar with, like, a lot of gory, gortastic horror movies? I am, but um, not, like, 60s or 70s gore. I'm more, like, late 70s, 80s, 90s horror gore type of thing. But, yeah, I'm familiar with it. But this I mean, kind of, this kind of, like, didn't have a lot of gore in it compared to all the films I've seen with gore. Um, but it's a horror movie. It's doable. Yeah, but even by 1970, I mean, the, the, we haven't hit the slasher era yet. I mean, yeah, we had Psycho and we had Night of the Living Dead, but, I mean, like, massive gore and horror hadn't really hit mainstream quite yet because this is still... Uh, the year of 1970. It's late 1970, but we're not right. into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, exorcism era of horror yet. No, right. we're still like George Romero was really big at this time, and it was kind of like the same level where there was definitely blood, and a lot of it was like implied or you saw it for a little bit. But it, I feel like it was somewhat on par with the popular movies at the time. But uh, <laughs> that that. There's a lot happening uh, from what I read or from what I heard from uh, the commentary on my side was that the these types of movies were actually kind of going out of style at the time and people were not really into it. But the people in Hammer were just like, no, we're going to keep doing what we always do. <laughs> like, fuck the trends. And yeah. this movie was just kind of not so good. In the wasn't this, <laughs> wasn't this censored in the, in the United States? Uh, I don't know about that. I know that in 1970, this was a double bill with Horror of Frankenstein, which was a very horrific Frankenstein movie. And in the 70s, uh, the, the Hammer movies were getting incredibly more risque with um, their uh, amount of nudity and gore and stuff like that. I thought it was like, because uh, the Hammer is like a UK exclusive. 
Even except the... for well, yeah, they were now. they were. This, <laughs> this film changes that because uh, like Warner Brothers, like a bunch of stuff was sold and people le- like a lot of the old guard left. So like you know, like Chris, we're familiar with like Terrence Fisher and everything. Like all the pretty much everyone who was like a back end producer or scriptwriter, they kind of all they left and then. Uh, Warner Brothers decided, like, no, we're not, we're not, we don't really want any part of this anymore, so we're out too. So they were losing everyone. Like, no one wanted Hammer movies anymore. So this movie is, like, really kind of different than a lot of the other ones in terms of quality, which is why a lot of the plot, you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Why the fuck is this happening? Okay, so get, to get to your comment, Stephen, about the censored part, that uh, that does kind of come up later on. But the version that we have is the only version, I guess, that is produced because Scream would have given us another version of the movie, or they would have called it the uncut version of The Scars of Dracula. Um, when it comes to, like, uh, Dracula lapping up the blood from Talia's chest wound when he stabs her, and the footage of a uh, of, uh, of Tanya's dismembered corpse, and the p- priest getting his face t- ripped apart by the bat, and the torture of Clove by Dracula with the sword are actually all longer scenes, but the UK cinema versions were cut by the BBC. But that also includes the American version, because I don't remember Christopher Lee drinking up Talia's blood from her chest wound in this movie. I was expecting him to do that, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah. So, interesting. I did notice one thing, continuity-wise. When they do a close-up of the mutilated people in the church, you can see the pulse of one person's neck. So... One of the, um, they talk about very early on in the commentary about how uh, Chris once again says they were planning on replacing him as Dracula if he didn't mm-hmm. want to come back uh, with John Forbes. Uh, hold on, I don't have that name correct. John, 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 John Forbes, something or another. Uh, oh, here it yeah, is. John like Forbes Robinson was supposed to replace Christopher Lee as Dracula if Chris wasn't going to return. Or they were going to just cancel the film altogether. But Lee found out if they canceled the film, 60 people would be put out of work temporarily. And he didn't want to see that happen. So he was like, fine, I'll do it again. Um, What's funny is John Forbes would later return to play Dracula finally in the last of the Dracula series, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Because that was the movie that Lee finally was like, I'm done. I'm going to go play (laughs) James Bond's villain. (laughs) Like, they literally guilt-tripped him into playing Dracula again. He's like, you guys cannot afford me. Please stop. Stop asking. Yeah, I, I, think- I really don't need the money anymore, but now I have yeah. to do it because people will be put out of work and I'll feel like a jackass if people are out of work because of me. Right. Which was another reason that that opening <laughs> scene with the bat was added it later because they were like, well, if, if Lee's not going to do it, we can easily like just throw any old asshole in that scene and have him resurrected it doesn't have to be lee there because that's why there's like no context at all speaking of uh james bond once again uh jenny hanley who plays sarah uh was in on her majesty's secret service she's known as the irish girl so she is a bond girl 
Yeah, she was so. I thought she was so pretty. Like most of the time with the Hammer Girls, I'm like, yeah, they're they're all right. But I was like, damn, this girl's really pretty. And I was like, oh well, she's a Bond girl. <laughs> and she's with well, she's with Paul, but she seems to have a thing for Simon as well. I mean, they're brother Simon yeah. and Paul are brothers. Another Paul once again. Um, once <laughs> also like feud type of thing. Also played by a character played by an actor named Christopher, <laughs> Christopher Matthews, <laughs> who was also on Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently, in the uh, original draft of the script, I think it was that Simon and uh, Sarah, or maybe it was Paul and Sarah, were supposed to be <laughs> brother and sister. One of them were supposed to be brother and sister. <laughs> Instead of the two guys being siblings, oh, okay, it was Paul and Sarah. Paul and Sarah were supposed to be siblings, which is why she's all, like, always with Simon. Right. Makes sense. But they were, like... We'll just take that out. We'll make her like whatever, and then like nothing really kind of makes sense. It, it leaves like a lot of weird, weird things happen <laughs> because they took that out. I don't know why they would take that out. <laughs> the actor who played Den- uh, the actor who played uh, uh, Paul, Simon, Paul, Simon, and Sarah are all still alive today. Dennis Waterman oh. was just in a movie this year, or it's coming out this year. And Christopher Matthews, according to IMDb, has not passed away. And uh, yeah, we we um, we gotta find some of these people. Maybe have them on the show if they're still alive too. Yeah, actually. Figure out the awesome. time difference between here and Britain. Yeah, um, and then I know was it uh, the girl who plays Sarah, Jenny? She was dubbed for this whole movie. Is apparently they thought her voice, her natural voice, was too deep. Huh. So they dubbed her. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't that. Me neither. I yeah. didn't listen until like I, I heard it on the commentary and I was shocked. <laughs> uh Paul is apparently supposed to be with Sarah and is sleeping around and he happens to be in the bed with um oh what happened to the cast list? <coughs> is Al- is it Alice is her name maybe? Alice, is that her name? I think the the girl in the beginning where we see her whole ass. Yeah, no no front yeah. nudity, but complete back end nudity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's Alice. Is it? I thought Alice was uh, someone else. No, because no, we got Tanya, who's the bride. Talia of Dracula. Yeah. Oh, Tanya. Oh, is it Tanya or Talia? It's that's... Tanya. I think it's Tanya. It's Tanya. Okay, it, it sounded like they said Talia. When he yeah. was talking, okay. So we have, ta- okay. So we have Alice, Tanya, Julie is Julie is the is the bar wench later bar. on. Yeah. Who yeah, yeah. who she like buttons up herself when when Paul goes running out, goes to the party, yeah. and then leaves again because the uh, the cops are after him. Um, and then he he's like, uh, where can I stay? And then he goes to the uh, the bar. Uh, he meets uh, uh, Julie. And she buttons up, but then sees what he looks like and decides to unbutton herself a bit. I, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> that whole conversation between them was really weird, too. <laughs> but there's no listing. The really character was probably the most um, not used character. I, I don't think she was necessary in the film because all she did was two different times was go to that castle and <laughs> pretty much an exposition cast so yeah i I completely agree (laughs) um so whoever the woman is that paul slept with and uh 
you know, we got ass nudity for uh, is not listed on IMDb whatsoever. But uh, her father is, or her father, her uncle is the Burgermeister. Yeah, I think it's her father. Okay, who where creepily what? chases her up the stairs. <laughs> God damn, I hate freaking trying to type something into Google and doesn't want to come up. Okay, so a Burgermeister is a mayor of Dutch, German, Austrian, or Swiss towns. Where was the last town that Dracula was in? We we were totally in London last movie. We, we were. were. Absolutely okay, we were absolutely in London. Okay, so somehow, maybe we're the castle. In, well, go we're ahead. Back in yeah. Go ahead. Let's say we're back in, uh, was it Kleinsburg now or Kleinkinsburg? Whatever. We're back in Germany now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that, uh, that the castle is like Castle in Castlevania. It can teleport around. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Look how it ties into our Castlevania show, which you hopefully listened to last month. <laughs> the time we're recording this is actually before that episode airs. Uh, <laughs> what was that, Steven? Or ours. Yes. <laughs> the entire block of Castlevania shows will have already aired when this is actually being broadcast. <laughs> so the Burgermeister um, is the, the, the father of this the ass woman. I don't know what else to call her. <laughs> His name is Bob Todd in IMDb. That's a hilarious name. Bob Todd. Yeah, uh, Bob Todd. He reminds me of... Oh, yes, I knew exactly who he was. He was the dignified guest in Superman 3. He's the guy who thinks it's raining on him, so he opens his umbrella. He sees people walk by, and then he's just like, oh, it must not be raining. He closes his umbrella, and then a paint bucket falls on him. Because that's the funny hijinks in a Superman movie. Yeah, the reason why that happened is because they put Richard Pryor in the Superman movie, and it's like, okay, that was funny when I was a kid, but as an adult now, I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's so insulting to Superman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I the two, so. Moving on to another. By the way, if you want to want more on Superman 3, uh, check out Superman Movie Minute Podcast, which is returning later this year with their coverage of five minutes at a time, Superman 3. So Paul gets into the carriage and uh, runs into uh, – as Paul gets into the carriage and goes off to the castle, uh, Paul's brother ends up getting the girl, which is pretty nice. (laughs) L-A-D, lad. Lad. He was being a lad. What what is – what I don't understand. (laughs) Very much kind of being – it's not the opposite of gentleman. The opposite of gentleman, pretty much. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was a thing. I didn't know that. The, uh... Okay, so... Okay, so as soon as Paul meets the the uh, servant girl, Julie, he just immediately starts making out with her. Um, then uh, he runs away. The servant of Dracula uh, brings back a dead goat that he killed for his master or for him to eat. It's not really clear. No, it's not. I have no idea. <laughs> so much, so many things happen, and I'm like, why? Why did this happen right now? <laughs> yeah. And then we meet Tanya, who I wrote down as Talia, because that's what my hearing said. Uh, but Tanya, and she's got a beautiful purple satin dress on, very or velvet, satin or velvet. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, but based on this budget, 
probably like crushed velvet, probably some cheap shit. But I mean, I she reminds me of someone from t- from uh, the original Star Trek. Like you just plucked her out of a TOS episode. She just really looks like that to me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good similarity. <laughs> she, according to IMDb, is also still alive, and she was on the Tales from the Crypt um, television series, the last thing she ever worked on, but she's also a Bond girl, and she was in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. This is the one-and-done George Lazenby huh. movie, too, by the way. I'm seeing a trend with all the women in this movie. That they're uh, busty and beautiful and in Bond movies? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I actually just remembered another thing. In the commentary, apparently, I think it was Jenny, um, who's Sarah, she got apparently ridiculed on set one day when she came in um, super tan from going on vacation. So they were very upset that she wasn't nice and pale for her role. So that was so weird. <laughs> uh, so Tanya arrives wearing her... Uh, very beautiful, busty purple dress, which looks fantastic. Um, and uh, Dracula has uh, a bunch of dialogue. I didn't do the yeah. count of how much, how many words Chris says. Did either one of you? Because the last movie, he had 37 words. What was the count oh this God. time? I think it was less than that. Okay. Because the first thing he says, the blade is very sharp. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know. But I was surprised how much talking he was doing in this one. Yeah, it looked like it was uh, probably less than 37. Also, Paul's never heard of Dracula before? Yeah, I find that to be odd, especially considering the townspeople immediately knew, like, oh shit, this is Dracula, he's back. Uh, Let's see, Uh, Paul prepares... Okay, so Paul prepares for bed... Uh, I wrote down Crinenberg. What did, what did Crinenberg coming up? Why did Crinenberg come up? Crinenberg? Uh, I think maybe him and Tanya talked about it. Right. She said she's from Crinenberg. Okay, that's what it is. Ah, damn it. Sometimes I'm writing like notes down so fast as I'm watching it sometimes. Oh, me too. Uh, did anyone else catch that? Where Where is Crinenberg? I believe it's like, I think it's like in Germany, I think. I'm looking right now. Of course, I type in Crinenberg auto-corrects it to Cronenberg, the director. <laughs> I, I'm going to also guess uh, Germany, since that seems to be where we are back in now. Location. <laughs> Let's see. Cronenberg, hopefully auto-corrects it. It says it is in... What was that, Stephen? I keep getting Cronenberg. Yeah, it I says mean, the municipality lies in the North Palpatine uplands in the Western Palpatine uh, on a raised flat toesed ridge between Salzburg and doesn't freaking tell me where the hell that is even is. Jesus Christ. Salzburg is in Germany. Okay, it's in Germany. Okay, so we are officially in Germany. God damn it. <laughs> As Paul prepares for bed, uh, Tanya shows up and it says that she is a, prig- uh, a prisoner and uh, now Paul has cheated on his fiance, girlfriend, whatever Sarah happens to be to him, three times. <laughs> This is because he was supposed to be her siblings. This is so ridiculous. So he's with, uh, like, he bangs two of these women and then makes out with the uh, the bar wench. So that's yeah. technically cheating, I guess, in some ways. And uh, then Dracula bursts into the room. Paul tries to stop him in the worst, most ridiculous way to strangle somebody. But, again, they're not stunt actors who know how to professionally strangle somebody. So do you notice where he puts his hands around Dracula? 
No, I didn't. I was distracted by his red white his red undies. They oh, okay. Ridiculous. He doesn't put his hands around Dracula's neck. He puts them like around the the where the shoulders meet the neck. Oh yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is he giving him a nice oh, massage? Just a moment thing. Like when those actors are trying to, they probably went through like multiple takes, and I think he just wanted to get it done. So I think they just he just. Instead of trying to choke Christopher Lee, he just went to grab his shoulders and pull him down. <laughs> I I don't think they had any takes. I think they uh, they had one take, and that was it. I heard in my commentary that there was no time or money for retakes. So I think basically you get tried. <laughs> you tried, you got one. You got one go. When Dracula bursts into the room, he stabs the shit out of Tanya seven times. I was like, why the fuck is this happening? <laughs> why is he stabbing her brutally? Just so. seven times. <laughs> it was hilarious, but so uh, disconcerting. <laughs> you know, she should have, like, bitten him, but tried to bite Paul before sleeping with him. But, uh, yeah, she waits yeah, until yeah. after they've had sex, and then Dracula, like, it just shows up. But then the Dra- but then Dracula's arch enemy, the rooster, scares him away. <laughs> I think what they were trying to do was like in Bram Stoker's Dracula, when um, Harker gets seduced by his three brides, and they're just like touching all over him, and it's like super sexual. And Harker's like, "Oh shit, oh shit!" But then Dracula comes in and is like, "Hey, whores! I have a dead baby. Get off my meat. Get off of him." Yeah. I think they were, they were trying to do that, but so very fucking poorly because like they pretty much try to do a lot of the Bram Stoker Dracula stuff like later on Dracula climbing up the wall um, you know uh, Paul trying to escape by using the like the makeshift rope like a lot of a lot of it harkens back but it's really badly done like poorly executed <laughs> but I think yeah. that's what they were going for I, I was noticing some of that, some of the, the Drac- Bram Stoker, Dracula vibes, but uh, it seemed like they wanted to do their own thing, but mm-hmm. they just uh, um, kind of was faithful to it, but kind of, like yeah. five so, seconds faithful. So Paul uses the tapestries to get himself out of his locked-in bedroom, lowers himself into Dracula's crypt, and we never see him ever again. We assume Dracula kills him, throws him out the window, because we don't ever even see his body when Simon and Sarah show up at the castle later on. Yeah, I I like kind of forgot that he existed for a little bit, and I was like, oh shit, I, <laughs> there was Paul was here, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. I was I kept expecting them to find Paul dead or as a vampire, and Paul was gonna have to fight Simon for you know for sarah or something you know now that he's a vampire but that's what i was expecting too yeah but that never never happened so um so like a two second shot of being dead later on so the police the the leather face treatment as i have decided to call it the police then show up looking for paul uh the uh we get a downward shot of the servant girl's cleavage and she gives him as much information as she possibly can. 
uh, about Paul and where he could have possibly have gone to. And then uh, uh, Eyebrows uh, begins chopping up Talia, and then, of course, later on, uh, it's, a, it's, it's over a series of other events happening in the movie, but Eyebrows chops up Talia and then boils her alive like the acid bath that the, uh, you know, the cleanup crew would do for the mafia sometimes. Yeah, uh, again, I mean, I can't decide whether I like that one better or in the other one when he just tosses her into the fire pit. Oh, the last <laughs> movie? Yeah. Isn't that yeah. great? I like the acid thing. Yeah, I mean, it, I thought it was pretty fun. It cleans up in a jiffy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely very mob style, too. Yeah, I, I, and I appreciated Clove's enthusiasm. He was pretty into... Uh, dismembering and dissolving her body. <laughs> Paul, uh, Paul's friends, Simon and Sarah, go looking for him. They run into Julia, and she tells him what happened, uh, and then decide to proceed to the castle. The vampire bats are watching all this, kind of like symbiotic drones for Dracula. As Paul's friends arrive at the castle, Sarah is nearly attacked by a bat, but Dracula saves her. Thank God he's there to save her from the thing that he wants to do himself. <laughs> Look, only he can touch her, okay? It's very important to him. Apparently so. Uh, That's why he stabs Tanya. He he needs to do everything. <laughs> it's Christopher Lee's movie. I mean, in the commentary, Chris talks about how he was really tired about Dracula taking forever to show up, and he wanted to be so much more involved in this movie. Yeah, in my commentary, uh, the guy said that Lee had tried a couple other different um like types of Dracula other than just Hammer because he really wanted to take the role seriously like he worked with uh, just Franco who's one of my favorite um, directors also he does crazy shit but he still wasn't even happy with that really so uh, yeah the same kind of thing came across in mind that he was a little sad that uh, it was it still wasn't taken seriously in uh, oh <clears throat> in his uh, in the commentary, Lee also talks about how uh, he got to work with uh, Boris Karloff and the late, great Benny Hill. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Dracula wastes no time in trying to dine on Sarah, but he sees the cross on her breast. It's just basically like... I don't know if it's just the way the actress was laying, but it just seems very convenient that the, that the cross is just laying perfectly on her bosom. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that every shot with the cross, especially, like, at the end with the bat, I'm like, damn, it's just, like, perfectly in between her titties. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, that that uh, that nightgown amplifies her breasts to no end. Oh, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of cleavage in this one, I noticed. Like, a shitload of cleavage. Right, right. <laughs> and in some of the other movies, we're going to get just, like, full frontal nudity. Yeah, I'm pretty hyped. Including The Lodge, by the way. There's full frontal nudity in The Lodge. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So this, this is this movie is kind of like the launch of the full frontal nudity for upcoming movies to come. Possibly, because I don't know what the, the time stamp date yet is on films like The Vampire Lovers, Countess Dracula, um, uh, The House That Drip Blood, stuff like that, that does have like full frontal like just breasts just hanging right out there. Or, like, Twins I mean, of Evil, which has, like, both breasts and downstairs business being shown. I mean, uh, in Taste of Blood, we had, like, a second of titty. Like, full frontal, uh, like, breasts for, like, a minute, right? Like, the, the weird uh, The whorehouse. Strippers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we I see the that. back of the manservant, and man, he needs some uh, some lotion on those, and they're just never going to heal. Oh my god, in my commentaries, that had the best... So apparently, okay, apparently <clears throat> it was like an inside joke with someone on set, maybe maybe it was with Clove or with Lee or with like the script writers. I don't know, it, but it was amazing. Um, apparently everyone was saying that the relationship between Dracula and Clove was the perfect S&M relationship and that the real scars of Dracula are those left on Clove's back. That makes sense. I, I agree completely. I, I love their sub-master Dom relationship. He, Clove doesn't seem to mind, really. He, he sticks around. <laughs> Paul's brother finds the picture of Sarah and wants to know why the hell um, the uh, eyebrows manservant is has it. And he's just like, constantly has it once he got it from Paul. And is just like, is she so pretty? I need something to masturbate to. The master doesn't leave me very much. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what he wants it. Cutting the uh, stop, stop, hold on, start, Stephen, start over again from the beginning. Sorry, no, it's okay. I was getting a vibe from that um, when he was cutting up the limbs and dropping them in the acid. Like he was looking at that picture, like he wanted to just, you know, touch himself to it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was ready. Yeah, I, I just assuming that's the only reason he would keep it is he wants it to masturbate to. I just got that you know icky icky feeling. Um, Simon goes for help, um, and the villagers are a bunch of cowards except for the priest. The priest is the only uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he's the only decent man in the village. Yeah, I really like this priest. Actually, I thought he was pretty. He was cool. Um, I liked his face a lot. But he gets killed, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, apparently, uh, according to like the original script, so this script went through like five revises, and then the director wrote a bunch of random notes on it as they were shooting. So it, that explains a lot. But uh, apparently, in the original version that conversation between the priest and Simon when they're like walking to Castle Dracula before he goes back to Sarah um, the priest is supposed to be like filled with fear like he's supposed to get to Castle Dracula like see it and be like oh fuck no and like all the the bat comes around and he's like oh fuck no dude I can't do this it's like really too evil and Simon's like bro it's cool you go back with Sarah calm down and it's okay and I, I got this but in the final version, the priest is just like, cool, but peace. <laughs> he just fucks off. <laughs> yeah, I was getting that type of... I thought there were going to be a partnership between those guys at the very end. Me too. End. Yeah, I, th I thought the same thing. The, yeah. uh, the priest, uh, the actor who played the priest, rather, uh, Michael Gwynn, he was in Village of the Dam, the original, and in Jason of the Argonauts, where he also played a priest. So he got typecast playing priests. He just had a good guy face to him. <laughs> yeah. Because you can always depend on a priest, right? <laughs> Depending on the situation. But yeah. Yes. yes. Unless, of course, you're a young boy, then probably not. Huh. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so the priest gives Simon a crucifix, and then Simon tells her tells him to stay with the woman. She needs protection because she's a woman. 
Just going to point out the patriarchy right there. Julia walks. Julia just leaves anyway. And Julia. Julia, sorry. Uh, uh, Sarah eventually jo- uh, gets back to the castle anyway after the priest is killed by the vampire bat. But also, Julia's go walking in the woods because she can't take the shit anymore. Um, and she's been completely useless to the entire plotline other than just telling people where people went. Uh, and then she gets kidnapped upon entering the carriage and then gets killed by Dracula as well. Yeah, she's pretty useless, like, as a character overall. Um, Simon confronts, uh, Cla- uh, uh, Eyebrows and tells him, and he, it looks like he's gonna betray Dracula for five minutes, and then turns around, and as, uh, Simon tries to get into Dracula's crypt, that's when, uh, uh, that's when they, uh, uh, that's when Eyebrows tries to kill him. Yeah, see, this is that SM thing, man, he just can't, he can't betray his master, it, it's just... He doesn't have it in him. Even for the pussy, he doesn't have it in him. Simon loses yeah. the crucifix, and bad CGI effects come into play with the red <laughs> eyes. I don't understand why they had to do that. Do you think Chris didn't want to God. use the contacts this time? I guess so, because that was so fucking distracting. I was like, wait, what? What? What the fuck? <laughs> I was uh, kind of confused with the red eyes, too. I just thought yeah. it was Yeah. I was like, is he hallucinating this? What's happening? What what is this a new Dracula power? I don't understand. Yeah, it just automatically comes out of nowhere. Um, Sarah could do something to help the priest when he gets killed, but uh, you know that uh, doesn't seem to be the case. Um, why didn't she go back to the castle? Why didn't she just hang out in the village? I, I don't get it. Uh, but she when she gets back to the castle, she opens up her cloak to Dracula and be like, here are my breasts. Uh, but he sees the cross and is just like... <laughs> but then the bat, he sends the bat after her and then she gets like scratched yeah. up or something. I guess this was supposed to be scratches. They're not very convincing scratches. No, they're not. Uh, yeah, and apparently getting that bat to do that was a real fucking pain in the ass. His, uh, the special effects guy was just, uh, like, he was above set using it as, like, a marionette, and it kept getting caught in all of the lighting structures, and it slowed down pr- production a lot, apparently, to try to get that bat to get to her titties to take off that necklace. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like there's just just some just there just seems a little bit too extreme. Um, Dracula saves Sarah and then kills Eyebrows. Finally, Jesus Christ, that guy had some longevity through this movie for somebody who just he appears does. out of nowhere. Um, it's kind of like I the mean, it's kind of, think about if you think about all of Dracula's servants. <clears throat> uh, I think this guy had a long lasting, long shelf life compared to everyone else. He honestly. He honestly did. <laughs> What's funny is in the last two movies we had Paul live, but uh, this Paul died, so he doesn't last to the end of the movie. That's true. Only Simon yeah. now. Yeah. Um. So, uh, okay, Dracula dies the most ridiculous way possible, being electrocuted, <laughs> and then set up, and then caught on fire. That was actually a convenient way, because we've seen the old cliche, I mean, of, you know, state through the heart, sunlight, all that type of stuff. And then, you know, obviously they follow the book and Bram Stoker's Dracula, knives in the back and then beheaded. But that, this is like different, you know, seeing, uh, um, you know, the lightning bolt and him bursting into flames. It's kind of unique if you look at all the different death- deaths he had. Yeah. Oh, 
I mean, it, I guess it is. It's just, it's like, I, I guess a vampire could die by a lightning bolt? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess it's still light. Like, it's still, I guess, I don't know. Fire seems fairly effective, right. I suppose. I mean, <laughs> we definitely know the only way to kill a werewolf is with a silver bullet because uh, you throw a stick of dynamite in his pants like in the Monster Squad. <laughs> it blows him up, but he pulls himself back together. Yeah. Apparently... Uh, according to my commentary, apparently that stunt was actually Christopher Lee doing that, and it was like really, really dangerous. Like he, which was, uh, he had to wear a mask, which was pretty obvious. You can see in a couple shots that he had a mask on uh, that like looked like his face for when his face literally catches on fire, and he, uh, he had like a, I think he had gloves on too. So I cannot believe he did that stunt. <laughs> And then just falls off the fucking cliff. <laughs> like a bitch. <laughs> uh, the director of the movie, which we haven't gotten into yet, Roy Ward Baker, was actually in uh, World War II, and he directed The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. So we will return to him in time. I don't think we're going to do Seven Golden Vampires right after Dracula A.D. Uh, we might save that for a... Uh, for a little while down the road, but he also directed The Vampire Lovers, which is a movie I absolutely love. Ha ha ha! But it's a part of the Carmilla, uh, the Karnstein trilogy of uh, lesbian vampire stories that uh, yes. Hammer did. Uh, but he also directed Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde and episodes of both The Avengers, not Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor, but the one starring um, the guy in the bowler pat and hat and emma peel yeah i think that was like a it was kind of shocking to look at his um his repertoire and then have this movie because he does amazing work but uh pretty much nothing came together on this one the and he's connected to all, all kind of flat um the sets are kind of meh and uh, the script is pretty bad so it's it's interesting I agree. Apparently, um, one of the reasons that a lot of the stuff turned out less than amazing is because the producer decided to do a lot of the things herself. Um, she did the casting herself instead of had hiring a casting director. She did a lot of the outdoor shots herself, which I think um, the guy in the commentary said like created a lot of issues. And then they had just switched like cinematographers. They just switched uh, special effects guys because a bunch of the uh, people who were very used to doing the Hammer films had quit or left or were fired because everything was changing. And also on top of that, this movie, at least in America, uh, got horrible reviews. Like it was awful, apparently. Um, uh, coupled with the fact that this type of film was really going out of style people weren't looking into serious horror movies or gothic horror anymore they were I guess uh, more into comedies is what they wanted and at one point this script was way more comedic which is really off-putting to me <laughs> um, this director also has a connection to James Bond not because he directed a Bond movie but he directed a James Bond he directed epi 18 episodes of The Saint, starring Roger Moore. Oh. 
future James Bond, Roger Moore, who was playing the Saint at the time that uh, Sean Connery was still playing James Bond. Wow. Little foreshadowing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else from the uh, from my commentary. They kind of they they only really they kind of talked about their careers mostly through the commentary. This commentary with Christopher Lee was also recorded uh, back for the laser disc of this film back in the uh, 2000s or or late uh, late 90s. Uh, DVD, there was no DVD commentary for this movie, but there was a laser disc back in the 90s for this film, and there were commentaries on the laser disc, and Lee did record it. You can definitely tell that he is a lot younger in the commentary too because his voice does not sound nearly as gravels as, as graveled as it would be in the Star Wars or Lord of the Rings films. Oh wow. Yeah. That actually makes sense. I mean, I didn't even realize the hammer was in laser disc format. I mean, I I have Horror of Dracula on VHS, but I didn't realize they were in laser disc, but that's cool that he record they got the recording from uh the laser disc and imported it to this. Yeah, or it's the yeah. commentary from a DVD that was only exclusive to the United Kingdom because our co- our original DVD... So, okay, little history about Scars of Dracula as well. Scars of Dracula has had one of those horrible releases... Uh, uh, issues in uh, other parts of the world that is not the United Kingdom. Um, and for a very long time, you could not find Scars of Dracula if your life depended on it. It was incredibly difficult to locate. It was released like one time on DVD, and that is it. And then all of a sudden, Scream Factory has gotten like all these rights to release stuff or whatever that's had limited to no releases or didn't get released by major studios like Warner Brothers. Because Warner Brothers has the rights to uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Dracula 1972 AD, uh, Dracula, uh, uh, a couple uh, Taste the Blood of Dracula, uh, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave... Uh, a couple of the Frankenstein movies, and they're available on their print-on-demand Blu-ray disc site, uh, where you can find like all the Hanna Barbera cartoons. But Scream Factory mm-hmm. recently has gotten like Horror of Dracula, Scars of Dracula, Pr- Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Legend of the Six Seven Golden Vampires, the House That Drip Blood, Dracula. Uh, sorry, not Dracula. Uh, Frankenstein has created Woman. It's interesting because on the VHS of my Horror of Dracula, there's the Warner Brothers logo on the. Uh... Uh, sleeves. Right, that's the other one. Sorry, that was the other one I couldn't think of. The the, uh, the first Chris Dracula film, Warner Brothers uh, does have the rights to, and you can get a Blu-ray print-on-demand on their website, warnerarchive.com. Wow. Yeah, I know that uh, Warner Brothers was pretty mad that this film was made without them, despite the fact that they said that they weren't going to do another uh, Hammer uh, Dracula film. And then that's why I think the next film is back to being uh, Warner Brothers again. I can't find any information on the poster for this movie, which happens to be the Screen Factory Blu-ray as well, is why the hell is Dracula green? Oh, I know. I thought the same thing. I thought it was the format of the poster. Because back then, you know, you had different... Um, it kinda, I got a, like a real like Wild West vibe of that poster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, yeah, uh, that that works too. Um, so the Scars of Dracula, the one that I was talking about that was insanely hard to find, is was part of the Hammer collection. 
Um, I'm trying to bring it up right now. Uh, limited edition includes bonus The Many Faces of Christopher Lee and two Christopher Lee music videos? What? There's Christopher what? Lee music videos. I know Christopher Lee recorded some uh, Christmas albums with a metal band before he passed away uh, a, a few years ago. Um, in fact, it was like a year before he died because uh, I think he died in, what, 2016. But there's also a collection called the Christopher Lee Dracula Collection. Uh, one, it, it comes in a resin case. Uh, it, it's a very limited edition. I can't find any other information about it, but it's all the films that he played Dracula in. Uh, goes for $300 on Amazon. Oh, my yeah, God. That one, and it looked like it was uh, really uh, hard to get. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if, unless you got the, you know, you got that, you know, you got that, uh, you got that scratch that you are uh, definitely gonna have to uh, wait to uh, pick that up, and I don't even know if that's region encoded or not. Right. Uh, I can't find a lot of information for the artwork for a lot of these posters. Um, no, me neither. What about that book that I sent you for Christmas, Ro? Oh yes, I actually have it right next to me. Okay, does what it is it? Does it say anything about the artwork for the poster in that? Yeah, uh, let me see. Find that page. Because that might. Oh, God. Arthur Sorry. Lyndon W. Joslin, in his book, Count Dracula Goes to the Movies, which reviews many of the adaptations of Dracula, says that the plummet in quality that had been threatening the Hammer Dracula series for years finally came to a pass with Scars of Dracula, uh, which is considered to be the most lowest brow of the Dracula films, which we've already <laughs> mentioned. Yes, okay, so Scars of Dracula, illustration by Mike Vaughn. So it's V-A-U-G-H-A-N. Hold on a and second. And that's it. That's, hold on, that's hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to type, what, what's the name of the guy? Mike what? Okay, Mike Vaughn. Yep. V-A-U-G-H-A-N. G-A-G-H-A-N. Okay, because yep. I found Mike Vaughn plumbing. Um... <laughs> He says yes, here was a former all. American football player turned uh, artist. Uh, I mean, uh, possible, I suppose. He lived in Hampshire, New England, so this could probably be him. Uh, looks like it. Not a lot of information about him, but it says he's a British-born um, artist. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> but just not a lot of biography information about him to click on. His website is probably deactivated because kind of similar to the Far Side. Far Side, their website was deactivated since 1999, but then like a couple months ago, they reactivated again with new cartoons. Right, because oh. the Far Side finally came back this year. Well, that's pretty much all the notes I have for this episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, uh, the Scars of Dracula, or Scars of Dracula. Uh, Steven, why don't you give out the information about where people can find your awesome podcast? Um, so like I said in the beginning, you can find Super Retro Throwback Reviews on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Um, obviously with uh, Blood, Boobs, and Badasses, uh, Dr. Chris's show. Um, you can also find Super Retro Throwback Reviews on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we have two podcasts, like I said in the beginning. Super Retro Throwback Reviews, the audio files. You can, uh, comes out every Monday. You can find it on all major podcasts and distributors and the Dorkening Podcast Network. And our second podcast, CSI The Vegas Files, you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, 
and the Dorkening Podcast Network. And you can find me at Chris D S A V on Twitter and on the radio on Radio Horror on Facebook. You can send me an email, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. If you have any factoids or tidbits of information that we may have missed, feel free to also send us to us in an email. Sometimes information is not always easy accessible about some of these classic films that are not always available on the DVDs or Blu-rays that we happen to obtain. Where can everyone find you, Ro? Everyone can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the same at uh, R-O-L-O Sorry, hold on. Everyone can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ro Lauren, and that is R-O-L zero R-E-N Fantastic, and tune in in a couple, in a few weeks where we will we laugh and tune back into the podcast in a few weeks as we return with Dracula 1972 AD with special guest film historian Ted Newsom from the commentary of Scars of Dracula joining us for 1972 AD thank you everybody thanks guys thank you hello and welcome to the Dawkening Podcast Network Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews The Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some, because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the... last 20 minutes of the movie that's what the game is it's fucking monsters tearing up a fucking city secret underground hideout cinema with Harrison Smith Dorks the podcast the dorkening black and white fright the wicked horror show subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found for more information check out thedorkening.com